It's good to have a church that likes to talk to each other, within reason. We started a series a couple weeks ago on the Holy Spirit. Some of you might remember Ben preached a message where he talked about the first two books of Acts. In the first two books of Acts, we find that Jesus has given the disciples the monumental task of spreading the gospel to the end of the earth. And there's no way that they can complete this task without first being filled with the Holy Spirit. So Jesus sends them to the upper room. They receive the helper that comes to help them accomplish all that God called them to do. Today we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 3 and chapter 4. We're actually going to read almost all of Acts chapter 3 and chapter 4. It kind of reads like a narrative, like a story, and I thought it would be good to understand all that was going on and see what the Lord wanted to share with us this morning. So we're going to start in Acts chapter 3 verse 1. It says, One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankle became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. So here we have Peter and John headed to the temple at 3 o'clock to pray like they regularly did. When they get there, they see a man who's sitting on the side of the road begging. And Peter looks at him and says, we don't have money to give you, but what we do have, we can give you. And they tell the man to stand up and walk. The man jumps up, his ankle is strengthened, he's able to walk, and he goes dancing into the temple, shouting and praising God. Then Peter says, I'm not going to let this opportunity sneak by me. I'm going to sneak in a sermon. So he stands up and starts to preach about what these people have just seen. This man who they knew was lame, who is now healed, Peter wants to capitalize on the moment, and he starts to preach. Let's look at what he has to preach. Verse 11, while the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life. But God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith, in the name of Jesus, this man who you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. 
Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders, but this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that the times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. For Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people, and you must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from their people. Indeed, beginning with Samuel, all the prophets who have spoken have foretold of these days. And you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant of God made with our fathers. He said to Abraham, Through your offspring all people on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. Now, something has changed in Peter. Peter is not the same. This is the first thing that stands out to me is Peter has received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and in receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Peter was filled with boldness. Peter is filled with boldness. Now it takes some kind of boldness to walk up to some guy who's asking for money and say, look me in the eyes, dude. I don't have any money, but what I do have, I can give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. Like That takes some kind of faith and boldness. And this is Peter here, and I think we need to remember where Peter came from. So Peter stands up here, he speaks with boldness, sees this man healed, starts preaching his second sermon. Like Peter looks like he's got his stuff together, but we need to remember where Peter came from. Peter was the disciple that when Jesus died, he walked away from God. He said, like, I, can't, I gave up everything to follow Jesus, I gave my life to him, and now I just watched him die on the cross. I can't do it anymore. I can't deal with it. I'm going back to the life that I used to know. And Peter went back to fishing. He went back to what his life looked like before Jesus. In fact, that's where Peter was when Jesus found him in the first place, was fishing. And then when Jesus was raised from the dead, he said, go get my disciples and don't forget Peter. Don't forget the one who walked away from me. Don't forget the one who turned his back on me. Aren't you glad we serve a Jesus that doesn't forget us when we turn our back on him? Maybe some of you have gone back to your old life after giving your life to Jesus. Maybe you gave your heart to him and you wanted to follow God and you thought life was going to get easier. You accepted Jesus into your life and it feels like stuff just went from bad to worse. It was like, I thought it was going to be easier to follow Jesus, but this is way harder than I ever thought it could be. Well, when you're not walking with Jesus, the enemy doesn't really care what you do with your life. But as soon as you start following him, he unleashes everything to try and take you out. Maybe you've walked away from the Lord. Maybe you went back to your old life, back to what you used to do, back to what used to satisfy. Maybe you went to Camp Judah and you committed your life to the Lord and now you're back at school and you're hanging out with the football team and hanging out with your old friends and it's like you lay in bed at night and you're like, I thought I was changed, but it doesn't seem like I'm changed so much anymore. You've gone back to the old life. But Peter here goes from that person who went back to the old life and quit on Jesus to now 
healing this lame man, preaching two sermons and seeing a bunch of people give their lives to Jesus. So what happened between that time that changed Peter? What happened between that time is Peter got filled with the Holy Spirit. When Peter gets filled with the Holy Spirit, it's the turning point in his life. Up until that point, Peter's life looks like a teeter-totter. Like sometimes he's doing good, sometimes he's cutting people's ears off. Like it's like kind of going back and forth. He's got one foot in, one foot out. But from that point forward, Peter becomes a pillar in the church. The thing that made a difference in Peter's life is he was filled with the Holy Spirit. If Peter was standing here this morning and he was looking at you who have gone back to your old life at times, he would say, you're never going to be able to do this walk alone. There's two things you're going to need in your life in order for you to fulfill what God has given you to do, in order to fulfill the assignment that God has given to you. First of all, you need to surround yourself with other believers. When Peter got alone, he got himself in trouble. That's part of the reason we do things like life groups. Is because not because we can't find anything better to do on a, on a Thursday night. It's because we know we need to be together. We need to surround ourselves with other believers that can encourage us and we can encourage them. The second thing that Peter would tell us is you have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus gave the disciples the monumental task of spreading the gospel to the ends of the earth. But he's well aware, he's been with these guys for a while, he's well aware of the fact that they are not going to be able to get this job done unless they receive the helper. So he tells them to go wait in the upper room until they receive the Holy Spirit. That was the only way the disciples were going to be able to fulfill this assignment that God gave them. And that's the only way that you and I are going to be able to walk out this walk of faith that God has put in front of us, is if we receive the Holy Spirit. One of Ben's main points when he preached on the Holy Spirit was you can ask the Holy Spirit for help at any time. Remember he talked about he was trying to get a, a lug nut or something off of his car. And he couldn't get the thing off. He had tried everything under the sun and he prayed and he asked the Holy Spirit for help. And the Holy Spirit said, righty tidy, lefty loosey. <laughs> and then he got it off, right? So Ben says, you can ask the Holy Spirit for help at any time. Peter would probably stand up here today and say, you have to ask the Holy Spirit for help all the time. You can ask him for help anytime. But you probably are going to need to ask him for help all the time. Because trust me, I've gone back to the old life. I've fallen on my face. I've quit on faith. The only way you walk this out is if you learn to be dependent upon the Holy Spirit for everything in your life. Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit and he was filled with boldness. I'm getting just about sick, so I need to be careful how I say this, how much attitude I say this with. I'm getting just about sick of watching Christians tiptoe around the truth. I'm getting sick of watching Christians be apologetic for who we are and what we believe. We are different. We should stand out. We are not supposed to be the same. Try, stop trying to water down Christianity to make it more palatable for everybody else. What you end up doing is you make us the same as everyone else. We're not salt. We're not light. We end up being the same as everyone else. Someone sent me a video a little while ago of a, a preacher that was a famous preacher that was being interviewed by one of the most famous talk show hosts in the world. And she asked him this question. She said, In the diverse and different world, sorry, in the diverse and different world we live in, 
where so many people come from so many different places and have so many different backgrounds, do you really believe there's only one way to heaven? This preacher thought for a little second, and this is what he said. He said, well, that's a very complicated question. There are a lot of different avenues that people take to find God, and I don't know that I could answer that question for everybody. I listened to that and I thought, dude, what are you talking about? Like you just said the foggiest bunch of nonsense I've ever seen in my life. It was a clear question. The answer is crystal clear. There's nothing foggy about this. There is one way. There's not many avenues. There's not a bunch of different options. There's one way to heaven. There's only one way that you get there, and it's through Jesus. Peter said this in the next chapter. He says in Acts 4.12, he said, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. There's nothing foggy about this. I'm sorry it doesn't fit what you want it to fit, Oprah. I'm sorry this doesn't, isn't politically correct. I'm sorry this isn't going to work. There's only one way. And the problem is we live in a culture where everyone wants to be their own God. No one wants to submit to anything. No one wants to come under anything. And that's kind of a problem because Jesus wants to be the Lord of your life. Not on Sundays, not when it's convenient, not on Easter and Christmas. He wants to be the Lord of your life. Every second of every day on Friday night when you're not sure if you're going to go do crazy stuff or not, on Monday morning when you're going to work, on lunch break, He wants to be Lord of your life every day, all the time. This is what it means to be a Christian. This is what it means to be a follower of Christ. And we need to begin to say that with boldness. The problem is, most of the time, we're more concerned about saving face. We're, we're more concerned about fitting in, more concerned about keeping the peace. And the reality that I want you to understand is your desire to save face, to keep peace, to fit in, to keep people liking you, is probably leading to people going to hell. We don't talk about it very often, we don't make a big deal out of it, but it is a big deal. People are going to hell, and the truth is, when we care more about keeping peace, we don't actually love them enough to tell them the truth. How ridiculous is that? How ugly is that of us that we don't actually love people enough to confront them? Peter used to be afraid of people and get scared all the time until he got filled with the Holy Spirit. Then he was filled with boldness and then he started preaching the truth. Now, I want to give you a, a quick caution about boldness. Sometimes I see people say that they're, they're full of boldness, but really in reality they're full of jerkness. Like, we get it confused, and we think to, in order to be bold, you've got to be a jerk. And you see somebody like shaking a Bible and telling people they're going to hell. I'm not talking about that at all. It's probably going to be not effective, and that's just probably you with a religious spirit thinking you're better than everybody, and you ought to deal with that. Um, but being bold doesn't in any way, shape, or form mean that you're a jerk. There's nothing that Peter does here that is him being a jerk. He is presenting the love of Christ to people. He loves these people. He cares about them enough to confront them. Boldness is love that cares enough to share Jesus with people. Boldness is love that cares enough to share Jesus with people. The second thing that we see Peter do is Peter stuck to what he knew. He stuck to preaching the gospel. If you have time, I don't have time this morning because we're already running out of time, but um, 
if you, if you have time this week, look back at Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 3. In those two chapters, Peter preaches two ser- sermons. And those sermons are shockingly similar. They're not word for word, but they're darn close to it. And I don't think that Peter was somehow in the upper room memorizing this sermon. I don't think that that's what was happening. I think what Peter was doing is he was simply speaking out of his heart. He was speaking out of what he knew. He was sticking to two stories, and when we're talking to people, we ought to stick to these two stories too. He was sticking to his story and Jesus' story. And the crux of his sermon both times is where Jesus interacts with Peter, where Jesus changes Peter's life. So that's simply what Peter and John stuck to. They preach what they knew. And now you got to understand that the disciples are about to come up in a challenging and weird time. Like this is the infancy of the church. The church has just started. Now, Peter and John probably don't know the answers to every question under the sun. And there's about to be a period of time coming up where the disciples are all going to get together and they're going to kind of hash out what they believe and like talk through some differences and some theological differences and they end up coming up with these creeds that are like, these are, what we, these are the things that we believe that we stand on. These things are immovable and unshakable. But right now, it's like the church has been around for like four days. So like, they, don't, they haven't worked through that stuff yet. So they don't have answers to all the questions. So people might say, so you're telling me that Jesus died on the cross and there's a murderer hanging next to him and that guy made it to heaven? Like, I'm not a murderer. I'm a nice guy. How come I don't make it to heaven? And Peter's like, uh... I don't know, but this is what I do know. You need to put your faith in Jesus. Other people are like, you're telling me that Jesus walked through the wall to get into the upper room? Like, how did that work? Did he go through the wall or did the wall go through him? And Peter's like, uh, not exactly sure. But let me tell you what I do know. Peter stuck to what he knew. He knew. And I'm not telling you to ignore people's questions. And people have some hard questions sometimes. I'm not saying to ignore that. What I am saying is that most of us will do better if we stick to Jesus' story and our story and share with people how Jesus has impacted our life. It's very hard for someone to argue with a change that happened in your life from you interacting with Jesus. Oftentimes with us, we downplay our story. We don't think people would want to hear our story, like no one would care what happened to me. In reality, your story is beautiful and it's amazing and it's powerful. And it's so, so valuable. Don't downplay what God has done in your life. Begin to share what Jesus has done in your life. When you share with people what Jesus has done in your life, which is what Peter and John are doing here, what happens in your life is that your life becomes a refreshing stream. God has done stuff in each one of your lives. He's done miracles in your life. He's saved you. He's set you free. He's provided for you. He's done all this stuff in your life. And when you don't give that away to other people, what happens is your life kind of becomes like a stagnant pond. Like it gets kind of mucky and kind of icky. You know, you see that pond and it's like, I don't really want to go swimming in there. It gets self-centered and self-focused and we stop growing. We don't really grow in our faith. But when we start to give away what God has done with us, it leaves a void in that pond. We give away what God has done in us and it refreshes somebody else. It leaves a void. And then in that void, Jesus pours back in. The Holy Spirit fills us up again. And then when we get in that cycle of giving, being filled by the Holy Spirit, and giving, and being filled by the Holy Spirit, that starts to look less like a pond and more like a stream, right? 
And that's when our lives can become refreshing to the people around us, and then we continually get refreshed by the Holy Spirit. Amen? Peter stuck to what he knew. So here we have Peter and John. They come to the temple. They heal this man. He goes in praising God. Peter says he's not going to let that opportunity go by. He starts to preach. Now let's see what happened. This is Acts chapter 4. The priest and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, so the number of the men who believed grew to about 5,000. So Peter is preaching. He's trying to finish his sermon, and the police come to arrest him. So like, imagine me trying to preach, and the police are like coming out to arrest me. And you're like watching the police walk in like, okay, what's going to happen? And they take me, they start arresting me, and they're dragging me away. And I'm like, if you guys would give your life to Jesus, he would set you free. Now, if you're watching me be dragged away by the police, and you're seeing this happen, this is an altar call that I think probably not many people are going to respond to. Like, maybe I'll respond to the next one. This one looks a little problematic, though. Like, you just told us Jesus got crucified. Like, Stephen's about to get stoned to death. You just got arrested and dragged to jail. Like, maybe I'll respond to the next altar call. I'm probably going to pass on this one. But the power of the Holy Spirit was so strong in that moment that 5,000 men, in the face of that, said, sign me up. I want into that. We need the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. Peter can't do this on his own. I can't do it on my own, and neither can you. We need the Holy Spirit in our lives. When you share the gospel, expect persecution. Now, this has always been true, and it always will be true. When you share the gospel, there will be people that will say, I want to know that Jesus. I want in. And then there's going to be people that are going to pick up stones and begin to throw them at you. That's what happens just a couple chapters later to Stephen. He's trying to share the gospel and they stone him to death. We don't see a whole lot of persecution in our life. In fact, in the last few generations, there's been, in America, there's been virtually no persecution. I think there's a good chance that that's not going to be the case anymore. But that's the way that it has been for a long season. But I believe part of the reason that there hasn't been persecution is because there hasn't been much gospel preached if you don't have a place in your life that you can point to and say i've been sharing the gospel and this is some persecution that i've come up against then you need to take a cold hard look in the mirror and say am i sharing my story and god's story with anyone am i actually sharing the gospel if you're not sharing the gospel the simple plain hard to swallow truth is it's because you don't love people enough you love your comfortability more than you love these people that are going to hell. Where is the place in your life that we can see that you're sharing the gospel with the people around you? Because if you're sharing the gospel, persecution is bound to follow. Let's continue reading. Acts chapter 4, verses 8. This is going to get good. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people. So this is, Peter's been dragged out in front of the priests and the elders after being arrested. 
If you are being called to, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who is lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected. It's getting confrontational a little bit which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind with which we must be saved. Then they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized these were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Let it be said of us that it was obvious that we had been with Jesus. But since they could see that the man who had been healed standing there was with them, there was nothing they could do. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin, and they conferred together. So the priests and the uh, elders, they go behind closed doors to talk about what to do with these two wild dudes that just healed somebody. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have performed, performed a notable work. And we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name, meaning the name of Jesus. Then they called them in again and commanded them, commanded Peter and John, not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judge. As for us, we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go, but they could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the, men who was, the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old, meaning he's not going to get better on his own. As for us, verse 20, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. That's got to become our testimony. As for us, we cannot help but speaking about what we've seen and heard. That what we've seen and experienced in Jesus has been so incredible that we can't keep it to ourselves. The fourth thing I want you to see this morning is when faced with opposition, with opposition pray for boldness. We're going to see this in the next couple of verses. Verse 23. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all the chief priests and elders had said to them, When they heard this, they raised their voice together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, You made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Skip to verse 29. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. The disciples prayed for boldness, and when they prayed for boldness, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and the result of being filled with the Holy Spirit was they spoke the word with boldness. Now there's a, a ditch on either side of Christianity. Broke, boldness, apart from brokenness, makes us a bully. 
Probably each of us have met someone in this, like this in our life. If you haven't, maybe you are this person. Um, someone who has plenty of boldness, and they try and like beat people up with the Bible. Maybe they're yelling at people on the corner, turn or burn, or they kind of think they're better than other people. That's one ditch that we could fall in. On the other side of the road is a ditch, which is brokenness, apart from boldness, makes us a bystander. I think that's the ditch that most Christians are getting stuck in today. We have brokenness. We know we're sinners and we know we need Jesus. So we come to him and we ask him to heal us and set us free and forgive our sins. And he does that. But then we don't take that next step of becoming bold. And because of that, we end up being bystanders in the kingdom of God. We end up being consumers. We just show up at church and consume and then go go about our life. We're just bystanders, just kind of here along for the ride. The center of that road of Christianity is boldness paired with brokenness. Boldness paired with brokenness makes you and I bridge builders that we build bridges to invite people into the kingdom of God. We need to be bridge builders. We need to be inviting people into the kingdom of God full of boldness and full of brokenness. Probably most of you are familiar with HGTV, and there's a popular show on HGTV called uh, Fixer Upper with Chip and Joanna Gaines in it. Um, Probably most people have seen that. Well, when that show was being recorded, HGTV had another show that they were recording. It had two guys in it. Their names were David and Jason Benham. They got a contract signed by HGTV, and they were going to do a show called Flip It Forward. Uh, Fixer Upper and Flip It Forward were being recorded at the same time. They had the same contract. They actually thought that Flip It Forward was going to be more popular than Fixer Upper. So the, the premise of Flip It Forward is they would go, there was families, and they would go to a family who was ready to move on from one house to a new house. Maybe they outgrew it, or maybe they were in a starter home and wanted to move to a nicer home. And these guys would come in and they would say, your house is paid off and it's worth hundred grand." You can sell it for 100 grand today, but if we make some changes, if we invest 20 grand into the house, maybe put a back deck on, put a new kitchen in, a new bathroom, if we invest this 20 grand, we can sell the house for 150. And so that gives the, the family more money to, to go towards their next home. That was the, the premise of the show. So they were five shows into the recording. They were going to record 10 shows. They had recorded five so far. None of them had aired yet. They were going to record the whole season first. Five shows in. And these two guys have a very alive and active relationship with the Lord. And they're open about it. Like They are not interested in hiding their faith. If they were meeting with a family and the family was going through something, they'd say, can we pray with you? Let's believe God to see this thing changed in your life. Well, some activists started to hear about what was going to be in this show. And HGTV wasn't really cutting a whole lot of that sort of thing out. They were just kind of leaving it in there. It was kind of like almost like a, um, like a live show. And so these activists found out about this. The activists went to Home Depot and Lowe's and Lumber Liquidators and all these people that were buying advertising on HGTV, and they told them, if you don't pull this program, we're going to pull our advertising. So the producers went to these two guys and they said, like, look, we have faith in the Lord too. We have a similar faith, but we're actually not going to have a network here anymore if we lose everybody who's advertising on this network. So we're wondering if you could just kind of 
turn it down a little bit. Just tone it down a little bit and see if that would, would appease these people and these activists will leave us alone. So these two guys get together and they pray. They're not really sure what to do. They read this portion of scripture where the disciples pray for boldness and are filled with the Holy Spirit. So they do that. They pray. They pray for boldness. They feel the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> they come back. They start recording. And the producers are like looking at each other like, did they hear us at all? Because they certainly didn't tone it down. Kind of seems like they turned it up. Like, this isn't going to work. This is going to be a problem. They recorded two more shows. Finally, HGTV canceled the contract and pulled the show. And Fixer Upper with Chip and Joanna Games aired and became very, very famous. So these two guys were like super deflated and kind of confused. Like, God, we tried to honor you. We tried to obey you. Like, what do we do now? So they went and they met with their pastor and they prayed with their pastor and their pastor said, you know what? I feel like God is saying, because you honored him, he's going to honor you big time in a way that you would never even imagine. The guys are like, well, we just lost our job. Like, we don't even know what to do. What do we go do tomorrow? And he said, well, what are you good at? And they said, we're good at flipping houses. And he said, well, why don't you go do that? Flip some houses and see what God will do. They said, okay. What happened in the next two years, they said they could not have even dreamed about what was going to happen. Within two years, their business was in, uh, let's see, they were in 35 cities in 13 states. They were flipping six to 8,000 homes a year, which is incredible like never dreamed it could have been that and that's great and all but that doesn't really help the kingdom of god so much flipping houses but they took a little bit of a different approach to flipping houses they took general contractors from their church and all the churches in the area they brought them in and they said this is what we want to do we want to flip houses we're going to put each one of you over a few different houses you're going to pull together subcontractors to do the work but what we want to do is we want you to go to Bible school at night and learn how to teach the Word of God. And then when you hire these subs, I want you to contract with these subs for an additional 30 minutes every morning that they get together with you for a meeting. So I said, okay, that's going to cost more. He said, I don't care what it costs. I want 30 minutes with each one of your subs. So these general contractors, hundreds of them, are going to Bible school at night, learning how to teach. These, these are guys that love the Lord. They're learning how to teach the Word of God. Then they have a 30-minute meeting with an electrician, with a plumber, and with drywall companies, and with roofers, and all these guys. They get together with them for 30 minutes in the morning, and these guys get together the first time, and they think they're going to get a, a list of things that need to be done in the house, but that's not what they're getting. They're getting coffee, donuts, and the Word of God. They start leading these subcontractors to the Lord. They start teaching them the word of God. Some of these subcontractors become general contact, contractors working for the company. They're basically running a secret Bible school through their construction company, through their house flipping company. And the company is wildly successful, but they said, we could have, we've seen more influence in the kingdom of God, more lives changed through getting rejected by HGTV. Like, we thought HGTV was the answer. God was going to be on display. It was going to be awesome. But when we got fired, this next door that God opened was more effective than anything we ever could have done on our own. They said this. They said, all that God has done in our business and in our life started when we prayed for boldness and were filled with the Holy Spirit. All that happened in their lives started when they prayed for boldness 
and we're filled with the Holy Spirit. We learn something interesting in that last portion of Scripture that I read. We see that being filled with the Holy Spirit is not a one-time thing. We see the disciples filled with the Holy Spirit in the upper room. Then they get to pray for the, or the, they didn't pray for him. They commanded the man to get up and walk. They get to him. They're filled with the Holy Spirit again. Peter starts to preach. He's filled with the Holy Spirit again. He gets before the, before the elders and priests. He's filled with the Holy Spirit again. They pray here for boldness. He's filled with the Holy Spirit again. And what we see here is that getting filled with the Holy Spirit cannot somehow be a one-time event. It's something that needs to happen regularly and repeatedly. And if Peter were standing here today, I believe he would say to us, you must be filled with the Holy Spirit in order to accomplish this walk that God is calling you to walk. You can't do it on your own. And maybe you got filled with the Holy Spirit before and you think that was enough. But I hate to break it to you, but it's not. You need it again. And you need it today and you need it tomorrow and you need it the day after that. So what I want to do to end this morning is I want us to pray for just that. I want us to invite the Holy Spirit to come and fill us afresh. How many of you could use a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit this morning? How many of you feel dry in an area of your life? How many of you feel like maybe you've gone back to the old life? Maybe you've been struggling you'd say, yeah, I could really use a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. If you feel comfortable, if you don't, it's okay. But if you do, if you just close your eyes and just lift your hands, let's just ask the Holy Spirit to come and to fill us. Holy Spirit, we ask you to come and fill us. Lord, there's some of us that need a fresh filling of love. Some of us even have hatred in our heart right now and anger. Would you come and fill us with love? Some of us haven't felt joy in our heart for a long time. Lord, would you come and fill us with joy. Lord, they call today the age of anxiety. Would you come and fill us with peace? Some of us feel like we're at the end of our rope, like our patience is just gone, like we've given everything we can, and it's like I've got nothing left to give. All the parents say amen. Lord, I ask that today you would come and fill us with patience. Lord, some of us don't really care about people around us in the way that we should. Lord, come fill us with kindness so that we could express love to those around us. Some of us are so rough around the edges. Would you come and minister to us, God? Bring gentleness into our hearts, those of us that need it. Would you come and fill us, God? Come, Lord. Lord, we can't walk this walk on our own. We can't do it. We're going to fail. We're going to try, we're going to give it our best effort, and it's not going to be enough. That's why you gave us the Holy Spirit. 
but we can't even slow down enough to just sit like the disciples did in the upper room waiting for you. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Holy Spirit, would you come and fill different ones up with hope that feel hopeless. For the ones that feel that are here this morning and feel like, eh, the Holy Spirit seems kind of weird and I don't really know about all that. Lord, would you come and just, just meet with them, answer the questions or make them forget the questions they were even asking. For those that aren't even sure if you're real, would you come and would you show yourself? Even like we're going to talk about next week, like you did with the Apostle Paul. Knock us off our horse if you need to, God. God, we're desperate for you. You're the only way. The world that we live in is so broken, it's hard to even believe. It's hard to even wrap our mind around the stuff that's happening in the world. Look around and it's like, oh my goodness, it just feels hopeless sometimes, God. But there is an answer and his name is Jesus. God, would you fill us with boldness to go and share with the world around us. Lord, let us be salt and light. Let us not water down Christianity so much so that it doesn't even hardly mean anything anymore. Fill us afresh, God. It's okay not to be in a hurry. Lunch can wait a little bit. The bills can wait a little bit. God, would you come reveal yourself? Lord, we know you're the only thing that can actually completely satisfy our hearts. We're made to, to gaze at your beauty and worship you. Lord, I pray for each person who's here this morning, whether it's this morning or sometime later this week, Lord, I ask that each one would have an encounter with you that would turn them into God worshipers. that they wouldn't be able to even hardly stand it. They would know that there's worship that's on the inside of them and they need to let it out. You're so good. You're so big. You're so powerful. You're so kind that they can't help but let it out. Our worship is not big enough. It's not loud enough. It's not expressive enough. 
You're that good. You're that big. You're that powerful. Lord, would you go and would you find the Peters, the ones who have gone back to their old life, the ones who have gone back to fishing, whatever, whatever their life is like after experiencing you. Would you go and would you find them like you did with Peter? Don't give up on them. Keep chasing them. Keep pursuing them. Love you, Lord. Lord, I ask that what you started here this morning would continue as we go from this place today. It wouldn't just be a, a, a one-time little blip on the radar, but like the disciples who were filled again and again with the Holy Spirit, that we would be filled again and again, Lord. In our cars, on our way to work, when we're laying in our bed at night, when we're up early drinking coffee, all throughout our day that we would be filled with the Holy Spirit. God, we know that we don't have it in ourselves to do what you've called us to do. So we invite the helper. Lord, as everyone goes from this place today, I ask you to, to be with them and I ask you to continue to encounter them. In your name we pray. Amen. Have a blessed week. Go and continue to be filled.